Adam, a creator and entrepreneur. And I'm Danielle Alexandra, a stylist and content creator. And we are In In Case Case You You Haven't Haven't Heard Podcast. Podcast. We're giving you the behind the scenes and an inside scoop of what really goes down. So you know exactly what the fuck is going on. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of In Case You Haven't Heard. It's your girl, Danielle. And your girl, KP. Or for those of you who are new, if if you don't know what my name is, it's Christina Pittum. KP stands for Christina Pittum. Also impossible. But in this case, Christina Pittum. Such a good KP reference. That's so way back. I used to watch Kim Possible all the time. Oh, me too. Kim Possible and Ron Stoppable. My brother's a ginger. I mean, wait, Ron's not a ginger, is he? No, he's not. He's not. No, he's Kim's not. The ginger. What, was the, what was the little animal's Rufus. name? Rufus. The naked oh mole rat. Yeah, I've always wanted to dress up as her. Yeah. But like, it's so funny. Whenever I started brainstorming that idea, like maybe five years ago, I think there was like definitely a topic or there was definitely a talking point on that in the decision making factor of like, do I need to make my boobs pointy? Isn't that insane? And do you remember how significant that was in her like illustration? Very strange. I didn't even remember. I'd, it was such a like, I just remember things based off of like sounds and like their theme songs, like for hers. All I remember is dun dun dun. I mean, did you not also change your BBM ringtone to dun 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 at some point? Oh, what it was. Do you remember <laughs> yeah. that? Oh my gosh, you had to like download it on the computer and then like sync the file to your phone or upload the file to your phone and then change. Wow, do you remember that? That's Dude, crazy. I low-key, like sometimes still wish I had my Blackberry Bold because it was awesome. But then also like that light that I literally for years after like feel like I always saw when I didn't even get messages. And now I bring that. What is that called? They have a name for it. When you like think you're getting messages because of the way that you. Oh, kind of are exposed to it you know that was like detrimental I think to my health and to all of our health I just remember remember when we would put songs as our ringtones yeah did you ever do that I remember a song that I've ever done though like off the top of my head I just remember having a flip phone with like I had a Samsung red flip phone Mm -hmm. and then the Motorola came in the razor Blackberry Pearl the razor and then I had a Blackberry Pearl for the longest time See, I I had a LG chocolate because I really wanted the cool flip phones that they had on Zoe 101. What were they called? Um, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. The Zoe 101 was also such a way back. Oh, it was a way back. Yeah, it, it made me it made me want to go to boarding school. Me too. I think. I mean, <laughs> it definitely worked. Oh, what was that phone called? Anyway, it had the quirky keyboard and I wanted one so bad. I thought about like ordering a sidekick, a sidekick because they only had them in the States. So I was like, oh, I can order Where you one. you like flipped it and it like the keyboard popped out and then the, the yeah. screen was like a little mini computer. Yeah, but the only they only had Virgin that would sign with it or as like a, a provider. So provider. I figured we didn't have that in Canada at the time. So I had to get an LG chocolate, which is the close second. And that's what Bell had to offer. So had that. And then I got the Blackberry Bold. And then I got the iPhone, I guess, after that when it came out. So quite the generation of uh, technology there, <laughs> handheld technology. It's so interesting how 
cinema and TV kind of made you jealous of technology. Like all I remember from back then is watching Legally Blonde and wanting an Apple laptop that was pink. Because remember when they first came out with the laptops, it was like a color and then it was clear in the middle. And she had it on in Legally Blonde. She used that laptop and I wanted it so badly. I don't remember that, but I do remember that they had like the versions on Zoe 101 so they wouldn't get copyright with like the pears instead of the apples as like the logo. <laughs> yeah. They have to do that, yeah. And they had the colorful sort of like Mac laptops with like Exterior, the pink and the yeah. blue. Yeah. I don't know. I just remember wanting the laptop so much and it was specifically because of Legally Blonde. Yeah. That no, was such I an mean, iconic there's movie. There's such wow. a huge influence from TV cinema every well now it's social media but that's traditionally what it was you know that would make us like want to look a certain way or dress a certain way and all of that before I get into introducing our guests for this week's episode I did want to give out a little disclaimer because we are talking about food our relationships with food body positivity and body image we realize that these topics can be sensitive to some people so or sensitive or triggering so we just wanted to make sure that we put in a disclaimer at the beginning so that if these topics are sensitive to you you can choose to listen on or maybe skip the episode and we pull on our own personal journeys and we thought that if this can be relatable to people like like you guys out there so with that disclaimer said we will introduce this week's guest to the podcast which is Rachel DaCosta and Taylor Efford of Self Love Supply if you are a listener to the podcast Rachel has actually been on a previous episode episode 52 where she talks about mm-hmm. her community Self Love Supply so we will talk a little bit more about that today along with other topics that we mentioned, our relationships with food, how body positivity on social media has not a professional you know, changed. Or yeah. Yes, has changed. And we get into a lot of good stuff. So we hope you guys enjoy this week's episode and we will let them take it away from here. We now have Rachel and Taylor here from Self Love Supply. Guys, this is the second time we are recording this episode because we had a little bit of a mishap. So we are so thankful that Taylor and Rachel will re-record the struggles of having a podcast, getting everything together. But thank you guys so much for being here again. Why don't you start off by introducing yourself? Hello, everyone. Yeah, my name is Rachel. I started Self Love Supply in 2017, and it is a basically an Instagram community online platform dedicated to mental health, body positivity, and self-love. Um, I'm also a content creator. I do mostly lifestyle type of content on my personal account, which is at rach.tacosta. And I am finishing up my master's degree in counseling psychology and currently working as a psychotherapy intern. Taylor, why don't you go ahead? My list of accomplishments is not as long as Rachel's. Uh, I'm a content creator and I studied uh, holistic nutrition and I met Rachel about a year ago on a whim. We met like online and, you know, she was doing this mental health page, which I thought was so cool. And so I kind of became like the, the foodie aspect of the mental health page. If you guys are listeners of the podcast, you will probably remember that Rachel was on the pod a few episodes ago talking about self-love supply and it started as a community building awareness, mental health awareness, body positivity, all things good and 
health related. You guys collaborated on an ebook. Why don't you tell us about how that decision started, why you guys started to collaborate, and tell us a little bit about the process of creating the ebook. So I had the idea to start eBooks because I wanted to be able to dive a little bit deeper into the education side of things, especially with my education and, you know, my master's degree in counseling psychology. I want to be able to get a little bit deeper into the nitty gritty of like how to actually help people in their mental health. And I find, you know, you can only do so much on Instagram. So I thought, what can we do? Ebooks seemed like a really cool space to get into and also something that, you know, I thought would be like a fun kind of project for us as well. And since I bring the mental health side, Taylor was the perfect fit to sort of bring the other side, the the physical wellness and physical health side of things and nutrition. And I just thought, yeah, our, our knowledge together will be really, provide a really well-rounded, I guess, foundation for people in these eBooks. I mean, uh, yeah, I was just excited to be a part of anything Rachel was doing. Like, I just am such, I just love the page, like self-love supply. If people don't check it out, like, it's just, it's so amazing. So anyway, to be a part of it. So when Rachel like sat down in the diner with me, I was like, I don't want to like do eBooks. I was like, I am down. I was like happy to use it's great too for me, like, because I want to be an actress, but I have all this nutrition um, education and it's like, what a great way to utilize that part of my education and share it. And especially like in a mental health space, it was like really exciting. We've talked a lot in previous episodes about our, you know, relationship with ourselves, self-care, self-love. And we've throughout this whole worldwide situation, I think mental health and, Personally, my relationship with food has changed. And so the ebook, if we haven't mentioned, is all about our relationship with food and how to improve our relationships with food. And currently, like if we're talking about our own journeys, I'm on a journey of gained a few LBs. Where do I fit into like the whole picture of things? Am I happy with it? Am I not happy with it? It's because throughout the year, like I've been home, I've been eating more or I've been eating more foods that maybe I wouldn't have eaten before. Also getting older. So I'm in this like weird place in my life and my relationship with food has changed. And maybe Christina, you can speak on your personal relationship with food, but I know like you are like something that I look up to you for (laughs) is your dedication to eating healthy and your supplements Mm -hmm. and always trying to be as healthy as possible. So maybe you can speak on your relationship with food, the beginning, and then we can kind of like do a little show and tell of all of our different stories because I know they probably differ in many different ways. Yeah, I think everyone has a completely different story based on, I mean, from everything from how you grew up and like your relationship with food based on what your parents' relationship with food was or the people that you were around to, I I think now like having social media and other things kind of play into it as well. But I'm definitely yeah, super regimented um, and I like to be super healthy. But again, it's funny when you hear someone else talk about how they maybe admire your way of eating and you know how they might think that you're doing everything right. And then you're like, oh, well, like I don't see it like that because yes, I try to be regimented and like take all my supplements and take my probiotics and all of that and educate myself. But it's also, I have my days 
probably almost every day where I'm like, oh, why did I need to get that snack? Why am I bored and I want to eat something, you know, instead of doing my work and answering like that annoying email, let me just go get a snack instead. So I feel like we all have those parts of us that other people don't necessarily see. Um, But for me, my relationship with food has definitely evolved over time. And I used to be a lot stricter when I kind of started to realize or have body image more at the forefront of and my appearance more is something that I was prioritizing, I guess, um, when I was a bit younger and like comparing myself to people. Um, and then once I, I think I started to like gain some weight in first year university. Well, I think everyone kind of gets freshman 15 um, <laughs> when you go to university school. Then I started to like eat health, more health, like healthy. Um, and I also got introduced to like health and more plant-focused diets because of my dad. He read this book called The China Study. So I was like slightly introduced to it. I just always loved food. So if I could eat, if I didn't restrict myself in the sense that chose to eat whole foods um, or and not processed foods and chose to eat pescatarian, I would eat anything because like I love flavor and I love all of that. So I think now the way that I look at food is more so, yes, there's a bit of like an appearance aspect because I'm on social media. I, you know, care about how I look. I do care about how I feel also. Um, But then I tie it to like, if I'm going to work hard doing fitness, you know, doing regimented work workouts almost every single day, why wouldn't I fuel my body with the supplements and the food that kind of go hand in hand with that in order to achieve the results that I want. And actually not to keep on rambling guys, I know you probably want to talk now, but I just finished an alcohol fast, a 30 was supposed to be like a month. And it was, it ended up being like 33 days. Cause like, obviously there's nothing to like drink to break your fast. And I want to say fast, not me going sober because it was a very short period of time, but that's something that I've been wanting to do for ages. And I always blamed not feeling or not looking how I wanted to because of the overconsumption of alcohol that I would have. Like by overconsumption, I mean like partying on the weekends and like drinking more than I needed to. And I was always saying to myself and like sharing with other people, like, I know if I just cut alcohol out, I would, you know, achieve the body of my dreams. And that didn't necessarily happen, but the effects of it, like I definitely notice. And it's once you, you know, don't socially drink for like a couple weeks, I feel like then you kind of realize like, oh, the hangover is not worth it amongst other things. That's a very good point. Um, I There are so many things I actually want to respond to what you said, but first of all- have interjected. When, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's okay. What, what you had first said about like, it's more fun, I guess, to get a snack than to like answer an annoying email. And obviously that just like speaks to the reward system in our brain, right? Getting a snack makes us feel good mentally and like gives us the sort of like even serotonin boost too, right? That we sometimes are looking for. And like, it also breaks up our day because we're doing the same shit every day. It's like groundhog day. Everyone's stuck in this like cycle and we want to look for those things that will like bring our mood up. So obviously answering annoying an annoying email is not going to bring our mood up. I mean, If you answered 10 annoying emails and it cleared your inbox, that could be a serotonin boost too, right? So like, I guess you kind of have to look at it both ways, but it it makes sense. So I think taking that pressure off ourselves and reminding us that like food can bring us joy and like snacks are not bad. And like, you know, it's all about being intuitive and like listening to your body. And it sounds like 
you know, you already are kind of doing that, but you're also following these rules you've set out for yourself. And I think that's super admirable for like, if you're capable and that's not toxic for you, that's amazing. Right. But for some people, like that's super toxic behavior for them. And they just literally need to like eat whatever. I I don't mean like indulge or, you know, overeat, Mm -hmm. but eat what they are feeling like their body needs, I guess. And like, that's also super valid too. So I think it's all about what makes you feel good and comfortable and what foods make you feel good and comfortable. You know, whether that means you want to be vegetarian or you want to cut like, or, you know, cut carbs a little bit, or if you want to stay away from certain foods that bloat you like, or make you not feel mentally good, that's, that's the sort of like, quote, diet that we're trying to promote using the ebook. It's like, what makes me feel good, both mentally and physically? Because food rewards us in both ways. And we have to remember that too. Taylor, I think the, my favorite thing of what you said last time was we don't believe in diets, but the diet that we're promoting is the blank diet, like the Taylor diet, the Rachel diet, the Danielle diet, the Christina diet. And maybe you can speak on, you know, your input and what was important to you to put in the ebook since you have this educational background of nutrition backing your, your thoughts and your, your research. Yeah. So that's exactly um, the whole goal is just bio individuality. Like, you know, Rachel and I, for example, could eat the exact same thing for five months and Rachel could lose weight and I could gain weight. Like, it's just like everybody is so insanely different. It's so crazy to me to think that we should all go on keto or we should all go on uh, intermittent fasting. It There's just no way that it will work for everyone. It will definitely work for some. It's, and so it's really finding the rules that make sense to you. And if you don't want to call them rules and don't call them rules, like, you know, for me, like I love carbs and I went vegan once and I actually ended up gaining a lot of weight. And uh, so vegan was like really challenging for me. And I had to like think about it just in terms of myself, because you hear a lot of people go vegan and they lose weight. And there's, there's just, everybody is so different and our body's needs are also very different. And that can get into like genetics that can get into cultural background. Like, like there's just so many amazing factors that make you, you, and those amazing factors are going to make a very specific diet for you. And it can get so interesting and intricate. Like if we think about, like, if I think of my heritage, you know, what my ancestors would have been eating, my body is more readily able to process that food because it's been doing it for centuries. And those genetics have been kind of passed down. And I know that's getting like a little sciencey, but it is really interesting. And so avoiding the things that make you, you or the foods that make you feel good, as Rachel was saying, can actually be really detrimental. And that can often lead to like, you know, someone doing an overly strict diet that just doesn't work for them especially like when people, when we talk about carbs, because I think that's the first thing everyone wants to cut and keto was super popular. Well, keto was originally designed to help epileptic epileptic children. Like it wasn't meant to be like bad diet. And, you know, it's obviously a diet that we can look at and, oh, that makes sense as to why people are losing weight. They're essentially cutting like sugars and, and fast carbs. And like, that makes sense to a lot of people. But what can happen is, you know, from Monday to Friday, I do the keto diet, but my body is so absolutely hungry and starved for what it actually needs. I end up binging on the weekend and it's just like, it's just not the best pattern. And so that's why we kind of say through the ebook and try to help everyone in the ebook the you diet and exactly as you said, the blank diet. So the Sarah diet, the Katie diet, the Ryan diet, you know, what works for you? 
think that's so interesting too that you brought up the genetics. I just want to make a little point here because I was just talking to my boyfriend about this yesterday. I'm my background, like half my mom's side is from like Eastern Europe. And so, you know, they were like cold and they needed fat on their bodies and they wanted to eat carbs. And I have that like in me, you know, I love carbs. I love like that kind of food and my body craves it. And my boyfriend, not that you can tell he looks super white, but he's actually half Indian and he doesn't crave that kind of stuff. And he's naturally a lot thinner. And like, he craves foods that maybe like, you know, that part coming from a warm climate and that part of the world that people would be kind of craving. So I think you have to like kind of take that pressure off yourself too and be like, okay, genetically my body likes to be a little bit heavier than Taylor's body, for example. Right. And like, just remember that because like, it makes you, I don't know, don't fight your body, I guess is is sort of what I'm trying to say. Like you can work with it for what makes you feel good, but also doesn't like overdo it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. And I think there's also, um, there's a point that my mom always actually says that she always used to tell me and it was, you can try and like lose weight or you can gain a bunch of weight. It doesn't like, but there's always like this one ideal weight for your body. And like, you're probably going to end up going back to that no matter like what you do. Like, yes, you do maybe an extreme diet, you know, a few months. Sure, you might drop a few pounds, but your body has an idealized weight for you. And I I feel like she might have been saying that based off of the idea of your genetics being so closely tied to to the way that you look and like the, the type of foods that you crave. But do you guys have does that I resonate? I totally agree with that. that. That's exactly what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. My mom also said something similar to me growing up too, because the other side of my family is from Portugal and they're not heavy at all. Right. But my Eastern European family side is quite heavy. And I'm unfortunately for me took after that side, I think more genetically. Right. And so I feel like there's, yeah, it just like reminds you that no matter what you do, like I've lost lots of weight and then kind of gone back up a few pounds because that's where your body feels more comfortable. And when you are enjoying your life and like, not, not, I don't, I'm not saying that like restricting yourself like means you're not enjoying your life because I think you can totally do both. But like if you're restricting yourself to the point that you're unhappy, then your body's probably unhappy too at its size. And and like your body is meant to carry you through this life. And and another thing that we need to touch on is just that women are whether you want them or not, children and the ability to carry them is a big part of how we're designed. And you can obviously choose to not have children, but there's there's this layer of fat that's meant to be on our bellies to kind of protect those reproductive organs. And a lot of women spend their whole life fighting that layer of fat. Like I know personally, like I hate that. Like I can, I can have the body of I want if I'm in like my mom jeans, but you know, below the below the mom jean waistline is this like layer of kind of like um soft. It's the pooch. It's the pooch. It's the pooch. <laughs> you gotta realize like that little pooch is there from centuries of just being a woman and mine is extra protected right now oh same (laughs) extra poopy yeah (laughs) extra poopy (laughs) and it's just like it's uh learning to see what your body wants to be and befriending it and that was a big part of the ebook is like how to be your body's best friend and like together find what you need to do to mentally feel happy when you look in the mirror, but then physically feel good to carry out your day. And it also is about creating, you know, awareness with yourself and being honest with yourself. Because I think a lot of us are like, it doesn't hurt me that much. 
or like, it doesn't hurt my body that much to binge on this bag, family size bag of chips, whatever. But you do wake up the next morning, not just, I'm not talking about like the potential regret that you feel calorie wise. I'm talking like the mental hangover almost that your body is, it has to work extra hard to process that kind of stuff. Right. So by no means am I saying don't and overindulge. Sometimes everybody does, but like, it's all about creating the like honesty and awareness with yourself of like, okay, these things actually don't make me feel good, even though I like them and they taste really yummy and I love it. Maybe that's what I work on taking out of my diet instead of restricting calories, for example. What I'm struggling with currently, and I think it has to do with the past year, but also getting older, is I think when I was younger in my like younger 20s, early 20s, I could really eat whatever I wanted and my body stayed the same pretty much. I worked out, I ate whatever, I didn't see too much of a difference either way. So I was fine with the way I was eating and the way that I was working out. And now I wasn't working out that much. I was kind of eating whatever I wanted. And now I've seen the what can happen. <laughs> and something that we KP and I also talked about was how we didn't really associate with the bodies that we had before. So when I was in my early 20s or mid-20s or previously when I was looking at my body, it wasn't like I was saying to myself like, oh, wow, I, I look good or I look, or I'm skinny. It was always like I was still wanting to lose weight or be th- thinner or look a certain way. And then now that I don't look that way, I look at photos of myself and I'm like, wow, I was, I was want to be like, now. Sh- yeah. That's yeah. what I want to be now. And I should have appreciated my body then because now yeah. I'm at a stage where like, I still don't appreciate my body. Nothing really happened when I gained weight. It's not like I'm unhappy. It's just now I look at my old body. I'm like, oh, I want you back. And in 10 years, you're going to look at your body now and be like, oh my God. I hope so not, not, but yes, in theory. <laughs> even, if, I'm not saying, like, even if you didn't gain weight or change that much, you're still going to look back and be like, oh my God, why didn't I appreciate it? It really mm-hmm. just shows you to like love... You have to love your body at its current stage in order to love it when it's thinner or whatever you want it to be. Like you're really like, that's something that everybody says over and over again. And I feel like you just don't understand it until you experience it, until you, you achieve the body that you thought you wanted and you realize that I don't feel different, like at all, (laughs) you know? Yeah, no, it's so true. I think you always, yeah, you always idealize like what you don't have. Again, it comes down to like, I always said, oh, my boobs are way too big when I was like going through like my peak of puberty, I guess. And then they were like good. And then I gained a bit of weight in first year and then they were massive. And then I was like, they're so big, whatever. Somehow like over the summer I was traveling, I lost some weight. My mom was like, hadn't seen me in three months. She's like, oh, like you lost weight. I was like, oh, did I? And then I realized I lost the weight in my boobs and then my boobs are like deflated. And now I'm like, fuck, I, now I want my boobs to be bigger again. So it's like, wait, what? Christina, don't be careful what you ask for. I think that's what the saying is. And just um, appreciate what you have because somebody else is looking at your body going, oh my God, I wish I had those boobs. So, you know, it's exactly, you want what you don't have. Um, Taylor and I talk about this all the time. <laughs> so I heard this on TikTok. I think it was a weeks ago now, but it really stuck with me 
was when you are thinking of eating that bag of chips or if you're thinking of binging or if you're not hungry and you're eating because you're bored just for the sake of doing so, say to yourself, this will be there tomorrow or this will be here tomorrow. And really just think if you really want it in that moment or if you can just have it tomorrow. I think that's a really good question to ask yourself. It actually, Taylor put something very similar to that in the ebook. So I want to let you explain that. But that's a good question to ask, I feel like, for people who are struggling with like actually understanding why. But Taylor, do you want to? Yeah, it's like um, in the ebook, we have like a lot of exercises trying to just have everyone tune into that, again, that relationship with food. And it does stem from talking to yourself, like, like Rachel's analogy with the big bag of chips, for example, it's like, do I want this because I'm hungry? Or do I want this? Cause my boss actually yelled at me today and I really want to bury that feeling somehow. And I'm going to use this bag of chips to do that. And it's just like that awareness. And it's like, you can still choose to eat the bag of chips. Like we're never saying that, like we're happy for you to eat. It's just more like gaining that power back in your eating. And like you said, um, Danielle, it's like, this will be here tomorrow. That often helps people kind of understand that they don't actually need it right now because it's it's more of like a want, not a need. It's like, I want to eat this flavor. Like this flavor is like, it's probably something addicting. It's probably like a chocolate bar, chips, which is, you know, scientifically like proven to be quite addicting. And that's totally cool. But that question could somehow stem that off. And so throughout the ebook, yeah, we definitely have these kind of like questions. Even like a lot of people use like the banana analogy, like when you're about to eat and you're not sure if you're hungry or not, you just ask yourself, would a banana satisfy me right now? And it's not to say like banana because it's healthy. It's just an example. Like if I ate a banana right now, would I feel better or worse? And if you would feel better, then you're genuinely hungry and go eat the cake or go eat the pizza, whatever. You're genuinely hungry. But if you answer the question like, no, I I don't really want a banana right now, then it's probably just a craving. And it's just better to have that awareness and you can go satisfy that craving or you can just say, hey, wow, caught a craving, gonna gonna continue on for a bit and see if I'm hungry later. And I don't even think it's necessarily just always like a craving. Like I find myself personally, sometimes again, like I'll, because I'm like maybe like super anxious or like a reaction to like, you know, maybe deflecting a situation that just happened, whether it's over the phone, over an email, whatever, we'll go into the cupboard and get something to eat. And then I'm like, I'll have a bit of this and then I'll have a bit of this. And I'm like, wait, I'm literally not hungry at all. I'm not even craving anything. It's It's almost as like just a reaction with a purpose. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you're distracting yourself with something that feels more productive than like watching TV or like being on TikTok, even though it's like, maybe I don't need to feed my body right now. It seems more productive, if that makes sense. But yeah, it's so about like creating just like the awareness around it because there's no problem in like eating it. But I will literally, when I'm happy, when I'm sad, when I'm stressed, when I'm like bored, like any emotion, Mm -hmm. food is the answer. So it's like, that's (laughs) why I feel like you have to just understand yourself because it's okay if that's the case, but like, yeah, just why? Yeah. No, emotional eating is huge. Mm -hmm. Something that I've been more aware of lately too is I've been eating lately while doing things. So I don't know if this can maybe become toxic or toxic for some people. But for example, if you're watching TV and eating, doing work and eating, um, even in social settings, if you're not able to like control your eating and you feel like 
for example, I'm thinking about how sometimes after a meal, I feel so full. And then I think to myself, why did I just eat all of that food? It's because I wasn't really like paying attention to what I was Mm. eating. I was talking, I was conversing, I was having like a conversation and I wasn't really focusing on the action of eating. And I think when you don't focus on the action of eating, it can make you overeat. Well, this is intuitive eating, right? Because if you're not, if you're focusing on like watching a YouTube video, watching something on TV, conversing with someone, like you're not thinking about the food that you're putting into your body. You're not thinking about the consumption of the meal. And I found it very, very difficult over the past month, actually having, I was working like, you know, like 14 hour days. And then I was reminding myself, I had to constantly remind myself, okay, try not to sit in front of your computer when or a screen when you are going to eat your lunch even though you want to because you want to like eat it quickly because it's like not good for you and like you're not actually it's just like the whole ritual of eating isn't there and it is something that is super important so that you are more intuitive if you are trying to like understand your like eating habits better too just mindful eating is such a big thing And mindfulness doesn't have to be this like weird floofy word that like we don't really know what it means. Like it literally just means that you're paying attention to your different sort of senses while you're eating. So stop exactly what Christina said. Just like don't be on a screen or doing something else. Focus on it. What does it smell like? What does it taste like? How does it feel in my mouth? Like, what am I enjoying about this? Ask yourself those questions and think about all of your different senses. Look at it smell it, taste it, like all of that stuff. And that'll help you, like your body understand what it's been doing and like that you've eaten. The other other really crazy thing um, that goes into that, because I agree obviously with everything that's been said, but just even from a science standpoint, they know that if you're paying attention to your meal, your brain actually starts creating like the enzymes in your saliva to digest that properly. So if you're not paying attention, you might get bloated and like, or gassy and you're not going to know why, but it's essentially because your brain didn't get to set up what's needed for you to properly digest that food. Like, especially if you're looking at broccoli, like it's going to need a different enzyme, probably a stronger one, lots of fiber and broccoli. Um, so mindful eating is actually just super important, even just on like a digestion health level. So it's, it's so fascinating. Yeah. I have a question. Okay. So to that point, do you think that people who like spend time to cook their meal then versus like popping something in the stove or in the microwave, maybe have a better time at like, or better process of digesting their food because their enzymes have been like sitting for a longer period of time? Being and beyond that, being connected to your food, I'll let Taylor speak to the enzyme part of it. But from a psychology standpoint, connecting yourself to your food in that way is like really important. Like if you pop something in the microwave or order it on an app and it's dropped off at your door, you're not connected in any way to what you're about mm. to put in your body. And so your body just doesn't even, you know, it doesn't know. It doesn't know what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a hundred percent. Home cooking is actually like a huge thing, especially like and just to remind everyone, mine is obviously like holistic nutrition. So that's why it's probably sounding so hippy dippy, but like it's, it's a whole process. Like while you're creating that meal, a, as Rachel said, your mind is understanding that you are about to nourish your body. And there's actually just so many positive benefits to that. But in the other sense, the body is preparing for that meal. It's starting to understand the meal. The smells are very important. Um, cause, cause yeah, the brain's going to start setting up the digestion system for that meal. So it can really on like bloatedness. Mm-hmm. Like your brain wants colorful food. It like thinks that that's healthy. So like all, like, that's another reason that like, 
it's important to have all of, you know, a variety, let's say in your diet, it's like helping you mentally also prepare and process for like, I'm going to eat something healthy and good for myself. Right. Let's dive into the representation of different bodies on social media, as well as since we're talking about food, what I eat in a day videos, because we've touched on that in previous episodes and we've talked about it privately, but would love to hear your perspective on body positivity and representation. And then also what I eat in the day videos on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all of the above. Personally, like I really don't like them and it's not a judgment on anyone that makes a what I eat in the day video. Like some of my followers have like really been requesting that I make one, but I'm just kind of against it because it goes back to the bio-individuality thing. Like what works for one person will not work for another. And then on top of that, financially, the videos I tend to see are just like very unreasonable for like a day-to-day ability like those acai bowls are like $14. Like, you know, it really gets up there. And I also think that people people are obviously going to put kind of their best foot forward when they post those videos and they tend to lean towards unrealistic. And I'm not saying all of them do, but just in how anyone, like when you post an Instagram picture or a TikTok, you want it to be your best. And so when that translates to food, I think we start creating pretty toxic culture. I think even the ones that are less like that, like showy, that are more like, you know, I'm seeing some that are like, what I eat in a day as a fat person who doesn't want to lose weight, you know, for example, like I've seen those ones come up. I think yeah. great that messaging is sort of, I get the intention. That's very positive messaging, but at the same time, it's impossible for the consumer of that video to not compare themselves. It's impossible. So there is still some detriment that you're doing. And again, no issue if that's what you want to do. I think there's still benefits to it, but like the audience has to be educated enough to understand that they shouldn't be like copying that. So I actually made a what I eat in a day video since the time that we recorded the first version of this. And I remember the conversation we had about kind of our thoughts towards them. And I was very kind of aware of that when I was filming it. Um, And I did sort of film it more of like a vlog style video presenting, I don't know, just almost like a lot of information on like the reasons I was doing certain things. Because I do certain types of fasting and I eat a certain way. Like I mentioned, like I'm pescatarian. And sometimes I, you know, try to eat two meals a day because life longevity reasons and all of these things. And I just noticed that when I was talking about like the decisions I was making and why, I was very, very aware that um, I wouldn't want people to kind of register it the wrong way. And I would want them to know like the reasons behind why I was making the certain decisions that I was and that it was just something that I was doing. It wasn't necessarily something that, you know, they need to do. Um, But that being said, I guess the argument could be that as much as I'm aware and I'm conscious of like what I'm saying, and I think that I'm relaying information in a way that is providing sort of like a why behind my, my choices with food and all of that, someone else could still look at it and want to copy it or see it as like an ideal that might not be ideal for them. I think like you're not wrong. Like you're definitely like you're doing something good by showing your intention behind it and by acknowledging like and disclaiming those things. But again, you're not wrong in that there's always someone who's going to take it in a bad way. So my personal belief is like, it's your page and you are allowed to put what you want out there as long as you're like not actively hurting people. And by disclaiming that, like you're doing what you 
believe is right. And Mm -hmm. I also believe that people who are consuming content need to understand that not all content is for them and they have to set their own boundaries because it's not your responsibility. Totally. And I think it goes back to not only do you have the responsibility as a consumer to consume content that is beneficial and of value to you, but then you're doing your part, Christina, as the influencer, as the creator, being as responsible as you can be and putting out the content that you want to put while putting out content that you want to put out. I think, yeah, I agree with everything that's been said. And, and exactly as Rachel said, it's your page and it's awesome to share. I think it is just the com- consumer needs to realize that more research needs to be done. You know, like just um, this is a wonderful starting point. And I think that's why some of these what I eat in a day videos can be great because it lets in some info on a certain lifestyle and diet that could be really beneficial to you. But the job isn't done there and mimicking one person's diet isn't the move. It's like get inspiration from that, but just know that that's the leap pad, not like the landing point. Yeah. And I almost wanted to actually attach links to some of the things that I mentioned, the information Mm -hmm. that I gave in my video. I didn't end up doing that, but I was like, yes, I, you know, I'm eating two meals today, but like, that's because this is this. And I would reference, you know, the doctor or like the health coach or wherever I kind of source the information from. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I just totally agree with that. I think it's just being responsible I guess about it right and there's value in it you have to there's value in it there is if done properly so yeah yeah for some reason we when we look at a vacation photo or an OOTD we have this okay this is a curated photo this is obviously her best this is what she's doing on vacation this is the best point in the vacation or one of many best points but for some reason when we're looking at food and food videos, we don't necessarily associate the best of the best with food videos for some reason, at least I don't. So I think it's, it's very important. Like you guys all said, like it's a starting point, do more research and it's their best of the best. They're putting out their best day or their best knowledge of like what they eat in a day. So don't take it as every day is a perfect day for them. Mm -hmm. Or the day that they planned, but they ended up having a full fridge of groceries, which is like also very unrealistic, right? It's not every day. You're not going to have all the options you want at your fingertips. So very true. Most of the time too, creators prep for it. Yeah. So, you know, it's and it looks nice because they know how to make it look nice. So like, even if you're eating those, like if you made a smoothie bowl at home, it might not look like a creator's smoothie bowl. And then you're like, ah, I didn't make a pretty (laughs) smoothie bowl, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, even so the day that I filmed mine, I actually didn't think I was going to film it. I went for a walk and then on my way back home from my walk, I passed by Whole Foods and then I was like, oh, Maybe I'll do that video today because I need a video for this week. And I actually discussed that in in the episode or in my um, video because I think that also made it more realistic because I didn't actually plan. And I had bought some stuff at the store and I was like, oh, I ended up deciding to film this video on my way home. So this is some random stuff, I guess, that I would have gone this week. But then my meals didn't necessarily reflect all the food that I had bought either. It was just like things that I had in the fridge that I almost like planned to have that day. So in my head, it, it was a more realistic approach, but again, I guess everyone can take it as they. I also approach. like, I think there's more value in like an influencer being like, these are the types of foods I buy at the grocery store or like the, cause I want to achieve these things or uh, these are things that I really enjoy eating, whatever. Um, but you're not saying 
in a day, this is how many items I consume. Cause I, that's where I feel like the danger comes in when I see it. I'm like, that's all you ate. Cause like I eat double that. Like, you know, <laughs> you can have like, a snack you- here and like yeah. an extra like latte there. And then like dessert after that you exactly. didn't film because your camera died. But and for yes. real, and like you're not acknowledging those little things that they're having in between. And I feel like that's where a lot of the danger comes to. Also, the other side of it is all of the comments. Like I've mm-hmm. seen so many TikToks where people put out food videos or what I eat in the day videos. And there's conflicting comments of people saying, that's not enough. No, that is. I eat that. No, I don't eat that. And it's like, that's also damaging, not only for the people who are reading the comments, but then also the creator who could just genuinely want to put out the food that they're eating and they're getting all these comments and they can now reflect on, okay, what's going on? Like it can be damaging in so many ways. So I like the sort of nugget or tip that you gave of instead of what I eat and they maybe change the verbiage and say, okay, these are my favorite things to eat. Yeah. Or during the day, I enjoy eating these things because it gives me X, Y, and Z. Exactly. This makes me feel good because of these reasons. Like you don't have to tell somebody kind of like how much to be eating in a day. That's to me like the worst. That's where I compare, I guess, myself. So how about representation? How have you guys been feeling lately about the representation on different social channels of different body types? Mm -hmm. Sorry, of different body types. Yeah. Like moving from food to body positivity and body types, how has representation been for you? Well, I'll speak to the Instagram side. I I mean, this is like kind of going in a completely different direction than the last kind of question. I... I'm finding a lot. So I'm like a very mid-sized person. My weight has been fluctuating, obviously, but I'm, I've always been in like the mid-sized range. And although there's a lot more representation for mid-sized now than there was before, I still think the internet likes extremes. You know what I mean? And when you're kind of like in the middle, I still feel like I'm not getting approached for a lot of like fashion content and that kind of stuff because they either want someone who's going to be like a sample size or a truly heavier person that can represent that, like the heavier sizes. And I still feel very not seen as much. It's getting better, but like, I don't know. I also feel like I always, this might be just like a personal thing, but I'm always like uncomfortable of like, some people think I'm skinny and some people think I'm not skinny. Right. So like I can get comments from people being like, why do you feel uncomfortable in this? Why are you talking about that? Like you're not heavy. Like you can go to a store and find clothing that fits you. Yes but it often doesn't because of certain parts of my body or like trends don't look the same on me or like, you know, those things that you just like don't, like everybody has a different body. I'm going all over the place and I apologize for that, but everybody has a different body and Taylor and I were just talking about this. Everybody deserves to be like allowed to feel uncomfortable about certain things about their body, no matter your size. And everybody deserves to like love certain things about their body, no matter their size. And like, we can't take that away from them because of their size. If that, if you get what I mean. Do you think that it's part of the trend to have these? Cause you're saying that the mid level or the mid sizes, they aren't being as represented as the extremes. Do you think that it shows if a brand is being trendy or actually authentic? Because Mm -hmm. if a brand was being authentic, I would think that they are inclusive of all sizes. So you would see all representation versus Mm -hmm. someone who's just trying to like push the extreme just because Mm -hmm. it seems to be trendy at the moment. 
Here's a really great example of that. Our den that Taylor and I have worked with for a while, like they do a really good job of, I think, showing everyone. I don't know if Taylor would agree with me and I'll let you jump in after this, but I, I think they do a really good job of showing like everybody without making it a thing. Like you don't have to make it to draw attention to the fact that you're showing body positivity or people of color or people with disabilities. It's just like normal. It should just be normal to post about that. Whereas a brand, I'm going to call out misguided right now because I think they really, they're in their bio. It says something about body positivity, but they will post, it seems very uh, regulated. Like in every nine images, there's one fat person. You know what I mean? Or like in every nine images, there's one person of color. And it's like, that's not, I, I get your, I get the intention behind it because you do have to make the intention of doing that, I guess. And sometimes it feels a little bit slimy to like have that as your intention, but like, it doesn't feel real coming from them compared to coming from a page like Arden, just from like viewing it. It's like, they're trying to like meet the quota. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Taylor, what do you think about that? No, I 100% agree. Arden's a really good example. Like they, their page is just naturally women in their clothing and you can tell there's no sense, rhyme or strategy. It's just, here's women in our clothing. And that's what I think we all want to see rather than like what you're saying is like an orchestrated, like insert of a POC or like anything like that. That's not what we want to see. And Taylor, sorry, just not that I'm the interviewer here, but I wanted to get your opinion on just like body positivity on TikTok, because I think there's a lot more like normalcy in the body positivity on TikTok, but maybe that's just my opinion. I'm not on there a lot anymore, but what do you think? There's, there's definitely more normalcy. And I think there's also like a lot more calling out and education when you make a misstep and like, there's a lot more informative videos. And I think what's amazing is like TikTok now has kind of like the comment reply. So a creator is actually able to publicly address a comment that's been made to them and educate their audience, which I think has been so amazing. And one of the amazing examples is like, cause as we've said, like I'm, I'm of a smaller size. So I have, I carry obviously a lot more privilege in like the clothing world, like being like more of a known size and you know I saw a video on like someone actually got educated on you can't say like I feel fat today and like how detrimental that is to the plus size community to just be like lending that negative term towards you when it when it's just a feeling like it's just a way you feel that day and like I really I'm happy to see the education out there and and as long as it's done with kindness and it's not condescending or full of anger like it's just simply like accountability and like hey actually this is xyz like i just think that's so cool so i think that's what's not necessarily happening on instagram just yet we work with our den and rachel and i both know that the sizing there can be like more specific towards preteens, obviously and the sizing is off and so i literally called rachel because i wanted to ensure that my verbiage was correct when i made this video because you just have to be so aware of who's watching, when they're watching, how vulnerable they might be in that moment when they're seeing your content. And it doesn't matter what size you are, you can always have a verbal slip. <laughs> and I think it is important to kind of tune into what you're saying. And Rachel has some like amazing points and I'll let you explain them, Rachel. But I wanted to, like, I wanted to hold myself accountable so that I knew I was just as you did, Christina, with um, your eating video. It's like, I want to make sure that I have the, the cushions in place for, for someone going through this video with me to know that like their individuality is still valued and perfect. And to remind them that, Hey, you're watching me in this body at this time. It does not relate to you. And, and that's okay. Like, but Rachel, if you want to explain some of your like 
words. I, I, I think you covered a lot of it. It's, so cool. it's the specifics. It's like, as I said, don't mention the size unless you're like there. I get it. There are certain scenarios where you might want to mention the size that it could be very useful to people. Okay. But well, for example, cause I'm thinking about myself right now, mm-hmm. because in my mind, I'm thinking you're probably more aware of your verbiage because your community is very diverse and not that my, my community is not diverse, but for example, when I'm trying on, I don't know, an OOTD, or if I'm doing a video on like, okay, I just got this top. I get a lot of questions. What size are you wearing? Yeah. Right. So I'll be like a small. So if I were to size up, I would say something like, Hey guys, I sized up to a medium, not in a way that's like, I'm trying to be rude or I'm not inclusive. It's just, I usually am a small and I'm just telling my mm-hmm. audience I'm sizing up to a medium. So maybe explain why that can be damaging yeah. because for me, I'm not doing it in a way that's means to be yeah. triggering. I think even though the way you said from. it just now is less triggering than how I've heard people okay. say it, because you're saying like, if you approach it and say, I'm generally a small like, but the, you know, I sized up to a medium. That's a lot less damaging than like, I really wanted this super oversized. So I got a medium. Like, you know what I mean? There's no context of what your general size is. There's no, it, it makes people who would normally wear a medium or a large think, oh my God, am I huge? Like, why wouldn't it make them think that? Mm-hmm. So I think you just have to like, think, you know, just understand how somebody would interpret it. Imagine you were three sizes bigger. How would you be interpreting it? I think you just forget as someone, like even myself, like I can go into a normal store and buy clothes. Like I don't have to shop plus sizes. So like I forget a lot about, there is still privilege there. Like there is still privilege there. Um, A lot of people don't have that. So sorry, Taylor, what did you want to say? I was just going to say something that I will say is because it's about fashion, I'll just use the word preference. Like I prefer size large. I'm, I'm a five, seven woman. Um, I typically wear it four to six, but in this top, I prefer the large because it's not about the size. It's just a preference. It's like, this is how I enjoyed it fitting. It's not like I sized up or I, you know, it's nothing involved, like taking size out of it. Cause at the end of the day, it's fashion and, and less about like body. I think that's the importance. And it's yeah. interesting. Like, I know we can all, cause I totally relate. Cause I've messed up Danielle, like, um, with my verbiage on TikTok often, like I'll, I've, I've said something like, Oh, like I love drawing on freckles and I've gotten a lot of like hate saying like, Hey, not all of us can just draw them on. And I know you might like roll, some people might roll their eyes and go, Oh my gosh, how sensitive must we be? But at the same time, if someone's coming to me and saying this hurt their feelings, it's so easy for me to correct. Everyone's just doing their best. I think it's like we're all going in a good direction. Sometimes it's a little sensitive maybe, but then again, you just put yourself in their shoes and you just got to say, okay, yep. And that's why, you know, call the friend, like I'll call Rachel and double check on things. And if someone was maybe talking about acne, I would love if they consulted with me. Cause it's like the same thing when someone's like, oh, I have this massive pimple. I can't go anywhere. I'm like, dude, I have 17 at all times. So like, you know, like, <laughs> it's so funny because as I was just rolling my eyes about the freckle thing, that to me seems like a little sensitive and I'm not trying to like be mean because, and you know, I think this is where I can grow. Like we're seeing, like you're saying, oh, how sensitive can people be about clothing sizes? And I'm like, well, how sensitive can people be about freckles? Like everybody is sensitive about something. And you just have to acknowledge that. 
And like, that doesn't mean that you always have to walk on eggshells because you still should be yourself and give your true opinion. But as Taylor said, it's super easy to recognize when you're wrong and just admit it and be like, cool, like I'm not going to do that again. You know? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a big deal. Well, it's the self-awareness component, mm-hmm. right? Which I think I, self-awareness is important for everyone to have. And like the more self-aware, the better you'll be in navigating things like this. So I think it just comes down to people who, you know, aren't addressing it correctly, just aren't totally aware of the situation um, or of what they're doing that might be triggering or that might be or is wrong. Everybody has their own perspective and like everything in life is about perspective and you do not know what someone else's experience is. And because of that, that's why we have to be sensitive. Sometimes just talking about an idea, a project, or even a thing with someone else, it allows you to get their point of view. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can be so narrow-minded in the way, or just tunnel vision and not Mm -hmm. really have the external, not really be aware of the external world around you. And that one person can just trigger an idea or a thought that could change, Mm -hmm. change the trajectory yeah, like of the project. Even Danielle, you and I, like when we talk about things, like you always have a completely different perspective, I find, that I would have never thought of, whether it's in conversation as we're like navigating, you know, a chat with our guests or even something else. It's like, oh, like I would have never thought of that. I'm mm. glad you said that because it like opens up my perspective in a completely different way. And it doesn't mean that you were like doing something wrong before, let's say, but like yeah, all learning from people and seeing different perspectives is how we can become more self-aware and also become more inclusive. And like that's, I mean, it's not cool to not be inclusive anymore. Something that we like to do here on the pod is go through assumptions. So after all of this, your self-love supply community, your ebook, your own personal practice and tailor your own platforms that you create on. You're amazing at TikTok, by the way. What are some assumptions that you have or may had that have proven to be true or false? About starting an ebook? I think just in general, like I think either starting an ebook or being part of the self-love supply community, maybe your own personal creator journeys, like just an assumption that you may have. I think for me, I have always assumed that I show lots of aspects of myself on social media. And I, I see myself as being authentic, I guess we can say. But when I have people say to me like, wow, you seem happy all the time. Or like, wow, like that didn't make me feel so good. It's like, it does kind of smack you in the face because you're like, I didn't think I was coming across that way. I wasn't trying to come across that way. So I think for me, like the assumption that I am already doing that is like, has been sort of proven wrong. And I think, you know, this ties in, in the way that like you do have to consciously take that extra step to be more inclusive or to show more aspects of you and not just a highlight reel for people to get that you're trying to do that. Like you can always do more. Yeah. To- And you think you're doing it, maybe like Taylor and I were actually just talking about this when you're trying to promote something, let's say, and you might want to be wanting to promote yourself as this kind of person, as an example, right? In order to promote that, 
you have to go out of your way to do it because people might not see the first time you talk about it or the second time you talk about it. And in your head, you are talking about it, right? And but, you think you've overpromoted yeah. it, but you really have not. But really your yeah. audience hasn't seen Guilty it that way. That. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we have to just like kind of try even harder to really push those messages that we want people to understand. And how about you, Taylor? Any assumptions that you've had creating the ebook or creating content for your own personal channels? Yeah, I think like some of my assumptions like lead into like imposter syndrome. Like I just always assume like there's there's not going to be enough people that want to hear about this. Or like if I ever like make a new video on like, let's say I do like a silly I did a silly like thing on TikTok where I was like, Instagram poses for awkward people because like, I'm not the perfect influencer kind of thing. And it blew up. And so it's just like, you just never know what people are actually interested in. And you think you have to like niche down, but actually people are like pretty interested in, in a lot of aspects of your life. And I think definitely like as Rachel was saying, like the more you share and the more like the happier they are, you're not being annoying. You know, you think sometimes you're being annoying or extra. And like sometimes with all those silly rules out there, like I was just saying to Rachel today, like they say you're only supposed to do eight to 10 story frames and I go on for ages on mine. <laughs> but my like there's people watching like, and enjoying who it. sets the standard, right? Yeah, exactly. So just doing just navigating that with those kind of assumptions has been challenging, but, um, slowly learning to just let go really. (laughs) Thank you ladies for being here today and taking the time to chat with us about everything, everything (laughs) from body positivity to representation, to food, building a relationship with food. Why don't you plug yourself? Tell us where we can find you. Rachel, you want to start? Sure. Uh, so you can find Self Love Supply at Self Love Supply on Instagram or at selflovesupply.com if you want to check out the website and the ebooks and some other fun stuff that we'll be putting up there soon. And my personal page on Instagram is at rach.dacosta. You can find me at Taylor Effort on TikTok, at Taylor Effort on Instagram, and Taylor Effort on YouTube. And just like a small shout out, if you're a type 1 diabetic and you need a buddy, uh, I'm newly diagnosed, so go ahead and like follow the journey because uh it's a struggle we definitely are keen to continue the conversation i think um because i think these topics are things that really resonate with people so we are in the i guess the discussion of maybe bringing this on to clubhouse and having a live chat um and we would be more than happy to have you ladies on as well and get our audience involved and see their perspective on you know things that are happening constantly or continuously like in social media in the world that we all live in and getting different perspectives on on what we discussed today. So yeah. thank you guys I'd so much. I'd love to do Clubhouse for sure. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thanks, it was a good ladies. chat.